Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Well, wrapping up this season, season five has been a little slower and a little messier than the last four seasons were for me. There's number of reasons for that, but I am finally ready to be at a place to sign off for the summer and bring this season to a close. It's been a really special season. I was thinking back on the last year and just feel really grateful for the opportunity to bring you topics like addiction, like facing the death of a dream or facing cancer, to talk about things like menopause and aging, but then at the same time to bring on young moms to share about postpartum and struggles with little ones. And then, of course, to have the privilege to continue to bring on guests who know grief and loss and share their hard but powerful stories with you. As I said, it's just been a special season and a full season and a season where we hit 100,000 downloads, which, by the way, I just logged on to the metrics yesterday as I was preparing for this episode today, and we are now well beyond that 100,000 download mark now. So this just continues to be such a beautiful and surprising and exciting and meaningful journey with all of you. I just sometimes can't believe I've been doing this for five whole seasons. So after today's episode, I am ready for a few months off to plan for and prepare for Lord willing season six, which I'm thinking will kick off sometime in the fall. So thank you for continuing to be so supportive, so encouraging, so faithful to listen and share the podcast with others. You guys are the best. Well, little did I know when I started this podcast, basically centered around grief and how to fight for joy in it, that one of the most commented on topics would be the episodes that I have done on perfectionism. I guess I just didn't realize how many people struggle in this area and what a joy stealer it can be. So today I invited my favorite podcast guest, my husband Eric, to come back on the show to talk a little bit more about perfectionism and answer some follow-up questions. So Eric, thanks for coming on again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Well, for those of you listening, if you haven't had a chance to hear Eric share about the ways that he's been able to make some wonderful headway in fighting perfectionism, they are episode 57 and 58. We called the two-part series, How Perfectionism Hinders Your Fight for Joy. So you will definitely want to check those out. And my most faithful listeners will also remember that I had my cousin Sarah on about this same topic in season three, and that was episode number 35. So Eric, when your episodes came out this past January, um, and this happened when Sarah's episode came out too, people were commenting and telling me how helpful this topic was for weeks and weeks after the episode came out. And so these last few months, I have been thinking about doing a follow-up episode and thought that a Q&A with you would be good. So I asked my Fighting for Joy community for some questions to have you address In retrospect, it would have been fun to have people uh, leave like a voicemail type message so that you could have heard their questions in their own voice. But uh, you're the one who thought of that. I didn't think of that in time. (laughs) Um, I just had put a question box up on Instagram. So I will just be reading their questions for them. But maybe next time we do a QA, and a that would be a fun way to do it. Sounds good. Yeah. But I'm thinking, you know, I'll just read the question and I'll have you share your thoughts. I can comment if I have any other thoughts. But um, I did give these to you ahead of time. I think it's helpful to have an opportunity to think through the questions um, beforehand. And just that way you were able to jot down and bring some notes and feel a little more prepared to most thoughtfully answer these questions. Yeah, I think that these questions that came in, I was surprised by them. Um, I was encouraged by him. I really like to hear how people are interacting with topics like this. 
um, and asking questions that I didn't see coming. So mm-hmm. there's some really good ones in here. Some ones that made me think um, deeper on this topic or in ways that I haven't been uh, stretched in a while. Um, so yeah, anxious to uh, share as well. And it's been fun to jot down some notes. Yeah, well, let's get started. Um, the first question, funny enough, isn't really a question. <laughs> it's more of a statement. <laughs> um, but I think it's real. And I appreciated their willingness to just put it out there. Um, she says, honestly, I just don't get why you would want to fight perfectionism. I think being a perfectionist helps me achieve more in life. And I think a lot of people do feel like this. Um, so what would you say to her? So lots of ways to answer this one. I think over coffee would be the best way um, to maybe diagnose some things and to listen and to um, share thoughts back and forth. I think one of the first questions would be um, maybe you're mistaking the word perfectionism for achievement. Hmm. Um, And so maybe uh, what people have told you as a high achiever in life, they've called you a perfectionist. It somewhat resonates with you, but... That's probably not what you are. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> um, yeah. Remember when we talked about this, um, the opposite of perfectionism is not sloppy work. The opposite of perfectionism is achievement. And so there's this continuum between perfectionism and achievement. And maybe mm-hmm. you're just calling it by the wrong term. I think there's there's two things to really ask yourself. Um, the first one is, are you miserable Hmm. right (laughs) um if if you are going through periods of high achieving and getting a lot of things done this week this month and then literally you know you feel like you've you've fallen off a cliff um you're very discouraged you're disappointed you've got long bouts of i just i just can't get back to where i was Hmm. your energy levels are low uh, you've jumped into hobbies that all of a sudden you jumped out of and lost interest in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, those are some telltale signs of maybe you are more of a perfectionist and maybe you're not achieving as much as you could. Hmm. Um, and then secondly on that one, I would say um, ask your spouse um, mm-hmm. or people that are really close to you. If you are crushing them, <laughs> Um, if, if they are feeling the pressure and weight of living up to your high expectations that you can mostly do for yourself and hide the rest of them, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that might be a good place to start too, to just double check. Um, Mm -hmm. I hope this question comes in from someone that has really just, you know, um, named this differently and, and, uh, wrong and Mm -hmm. you are a high achiever and that's, that's great. And you're not struggling with these things that perfectionism are telltale signs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, that's you a know, good clarification. Ask yeah. that of yeah. your spouse too. And maybe even, um, like you said about your spouse and you know, you could say, are you miserable? And then you could also, the next question, are the people around you miserable? Yeah. Um, but I think that's a good, a good clarification. Um, there is a big difference as you talked about on the other episodes between perfectionism and achievement. Um, but it, it, it's interesting to to think that this person would think they're a perfectionist, though, if they're not. Yeah. Um, so why do you think that is? Do you think it's just that they have specific f- ways of doing things or they feel like there is only one right way? Or maybe to your point, maybe you already answered it of just saying maybe they've been put in that box by somebody else or have been told that and that's really not the, the main issue. 
Yeah, I I think those are a couple mm-hmm. a couple really good good things. I think that um, you know not being able to exhale in contentment and satisfaction mm-hmm. of job well done, mm-hmm. not job could have been better, um, but really job job well done. I think is um, you know part of that. Um, I I think that um, you know the fear of well, what if I didn't achieve this much? Would my life have meaning and would I be worth worthwhile? Um, mm-hmm. That's another telltale one too. And maybe those are questions that are hard to face. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's just easier to put your head down, achieve a ton and not call it perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, those are a couple of the... Yeah. A couple of the thoughts on that one. Yeah. And on the topic of achievement too, I would love for you to just touch on uh, these last few months for you of training for various races and triathlons. Um, you know, we recorded this in January. Um, you were able to compete in a half Ironman recently. Um, and just as we are talking about the difference between achievement and perfectionism, um, would you just share a little bit of maybe of what you've experienced um, as you've continued to train and maybe some thoughts you've had since we recorded the episode on achievement? Yeah, that's great. I think I think there's a connection for me into the triathlon sport to make headway in perfectionism. Um, lots of different ways on that. I think one, um, it's very hard to come to race day where you're going to do 70 um, miles, 70.3 miles and not have had weeks and weeks of consistent training. Mm-hmm. It's not perfect training, but you're not missing weeks on end. You cannot show up to race day um, doing one week hard and feeling really good about it and then not being able to have the next week of training anywhere near your previous one and then just give up for mm-hmm. four, five, six days. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's an aspect of daily training of just doing the next thing and not trying to have a workout that's going to be better every time than yesterday's mm-hmm. workout. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love that about the sport. Um, I also love that there's three different disciplines. Swimming obviously comes, comes easy. Um, having swum in, you know, swam in college. Um, biking is new. Um, and, you know, running is somewhat new with Jackson um, and, you know, the rest of the kids. Um, and, and so I think, I think there's been an aspect too of like, um, I'm getting faster on the bike Mm -hmm. and I'm never going to be faster in the pool. Mm. I'm never going to be faster in open water. If I would have done the sport when I was, um, right out of college or right in college, I would still be doing a 141 for the 200 free. And mm-hmm. if my goal is to get back there physically at 52, that's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. And so much of perfectionism is tied to unrealistic goals. And if your goal is to get back to kind of the way you were in college, you will give up the sport. Mm. Um, and so there's the aspect of, what I'm doing in open water swimming in the pool is good enough. Hmm. Um, it is fast. Um, it, it is good enough, but it's nowhere where I used to be. And that's okay. The flip side of the coin, um, this summer I was 30 minutes faster on the bike mm-hmm. for 56 miles mm-hmm. than, than I was last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've continued to learn and push and train differently 
and have a different bike. And that's been a blast. Mm -hmm. Um, But the whole race isn't like that. My run is probably not going to get faster. I was the same last summer too. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's okay. And so you, you, you have to kind of face some of your whys in the sport and if your why is I have to be number one in my age group or I have to be number one in the entire race, again, those get to be unrealistic expectations that will that will kick you out of your hobby or kick you out of your sport um, fast. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's been a very, very helpful thing for me to be able to learn as I've you know, continue to train since we spoke last on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially as a perfectionist, I think as a high achiever, yeah. I mean, maybe you can be like, that's my goal is to be the fastest in my age group. But as a perfectionist, you know, you, you can still have high goals, but um, it will crush you if you feel like every workout has to be perfect and everything has to be done exactly right. And you have to get, you know, a better score and be faster. And I think that's one of the things I've loved watching you do um, as you've been training is you know you are given a score at the end of each of your workouts and yeah that would be a really difficult thing for somebody who uh, wasn't fighting their perfectionism Um, I think you would be very discouraged I think it would be soul crushing and you would lose all of your joy in training if you didn't get a perfect score all of the time and I've just loved you um, reporting back with yeah scores that are not you know perfect and, um, and that's been okay. And you've let things, you know, interfere with your workouts when needed, um, phone calls, people need you, uh, things come up and you <laughs> yeah. haven't been able to do a complete perfect workout and you've been okay with that. And that I think has enabled you to improve and to compete with joy. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, good. Thank you. I think there's a couple other things on race day. How do you fight for joy against perfectionism? And I think, I think for me, focusing my mind not on a time to hit or a place to hit, but enjoy aspects of every single part of the race. Mm. Enjoy what it feels like to dive into the water and to take those first 12 strokes and to just feel high in the water, feel it being new, feel the sun barely coming up, looking for you on the bridge. I mean, the, these are these are really you know, that has nothing to do with the time that I need to hit. And if I don't hit that time, then I'm not happy with the whole day. Mm -hmm. Same with the bike, same with the run. I think what's interesting, secondly, about TriDot, just a plug for them. They're fantastic. It's It's an app to download that I've been training on now almost a year. And they, because of all the workouts that I've done, they can predict, given the weather for the day and the hilliness of the course, and the temperature of the water and the wind and everything, uh, what your times are going to be in each of the three disciplines. And what that does for me is take the pressure off of being like, I bet I can go 15 minutes in the swim. I bet I can just crush it. Mm -hmm. Like it takes it totally off the table. Given my training and what I've done, I should be around 31 minutes. So line up by the other 31 minute people Mm -hmm. um, and go in and just just feel it and enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Um, Same with the bike, same with the run. There wasn't an aspect of like, well, maybe I could, 
maybe I could knock off two hours, <laughs> right? Right, right? But as a perfectionist, you do have those thoughts creeping in like, mm-hmm. man, I feel good. I bet look at everybody else's bikes around me. I bet I can come here and I bet I'm going to go two hours faster today. Mm-hmm. That's just not realistic. And so that's been, yeah. that's been something really helpful for me day of as well. Yeah, yeah. But I think you nailed it and that's enjoying every aspect of it, enjoying the training, enjoying the day of the race. Um, enjoying kind of the the hovering over it and yeah. reflecting on it when it's over. And that's the part that you were missing out um, in different times of your life when you were knee deep in perfectionism. I just, I see you living and competing with such joy. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the other interesting question um, on this topic is, okay, now that I've completed the race, where does perfectionism creep in and how do I fight for joy after the race? Um, There's always the nagging feeling that you could have gone faster. What if I did this? What if I did that? And you have to recognize that as perfectionism coming in. Certainly there's things that I'm learning. The more you race, the more you learn things. And that's good. Um, But you can't get stuck in that loop of, man, I could have gone gone faster. I think one of the other things that could totally rob my joy is as I've shared with people and I've listened to other people talk about doing things like this, almost every single person I've talked to knows somebody else that's done this or done the Ironman in Kona that's twice as long or they've known other people. And so whatever whatever joy I had just could easily get crushed with someone else has done more, someone else has done faster. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? It's true, but mm-hmm. that's not why I did the race. And you got to be, and you got to be, uh, you know, clear on that. Um, you know, if, if you, uh, you know, can't be first, we already talked about that. Um, if you can't be first, do you want to even train at all? Um, you know, I'm really happy with where I finished in my age group, mm-hmm. um, but I did not place number one mm-hmm. and that's okay. And, um, if I had expectations of going in for that, given the times that I've seen in races like this in past years, that would have been unrealistic. And then I would have quit or I would have been very discouraged after the day. And so I think, I think that expectation setting it realistic and then going faster than what I thought that, that felt, that mm-hmm, felt really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think some of the how things that I keep coming back to, um, is asking God for help. Mm-hmm. Be dependent upon him. Hover like the spirit over creation, <laughs> like Andy Crouch has said. Uh, it's just a good visual to just say, you know what? I put the work in. That's good. That's good enough. And I'm mm-hmm. really happy with it. Um, yeah. And lean into God and ask and be dependent upon him. Because if you don't, the perfectionism can really wreck it. Mm-hmm. I think the other place that I uh, saw it was the uh, you know training program actually called for two weeks of total active recovery afterwards. Just don't work hard. Just go hover. Just go rest. Just go enjoy. Don't pound out more to be more. Just just enjoy what you've accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, thirdly, be thankful for the uh, limits that we do have. And remember, limits are not sinful. It's a part of being human. It's a part of being finite. Um, and to embrace your limits um, and to be thankful for them and to be dependent upon the one that has no limits 
and uh, you know worship Him. Mm-hmm. So th- those are just a couple things that I think, mm-hmm. as I've been a little bit surprised that I've still had to kind of fight for joy against perfectionism after mm-hmm. the race. Mm-hmm. I think it was helpful ahead of the race to think through some of these things. And the sport by its very you know nature has been helpful for me mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. But uh, I, I think those are a couple of things that afterwards I was like, man, I got to keep, keep fighting afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're listening and you're kind of thinking through the perfectionism versus achievement thing too, and you're not competing in triathlons, I mean, I think this is obviously very applicable to anything in life, a project at work, um, to even your role as a parent and the things that you, you know, can get hung up on there or other relationships in your life or just, you know, work, hobbies, um, all kinds of things. I think the points that you just shared um, are applicable to whatever um, absolutely each person is is um, doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point because these truths that I'm learning are able to then be seen in the rest of my life and you get into a sport like this that forces you you're gonna have to deal with your perfectionism um and and you're gonna have to work through it and that that is going to benefit you in other parts of your life yeah okay question number two do you have any tips or thoughts on parenting a child with perfectionistic tendencies yeah i think that's a really good one too i think um, from the episode that we did ahead of time, you need to probably go back and write down those telltale signs. I mm-hmm. mentioned a couple of those, um, you know, uh, and, and you need to be able to recognize and look for those things in your uh, kids. If they're setting extremely high expectations, uh, for going to their first baseball game, that this is going to be the best and I'm going to absolutely hit three home runs. And then they go to their first practice and they come home and they're upset and they're not wanting to go back again and they're not wanting to go to their first game or they're not wanting to go to practice after their first game. Like there's a difference between disappointment and ultimate discouragement. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. and I think these are, these are telltale signs that um, you want to recognize those in any area of your kid's life and give them tools and coaching to really help them uh, through that. So yeah. that would be, yeah, that would be one I, thing yeah. I would, that would I think look that's, for. that's key is giving them tools, coaching them, helping them through that. And, you know, as I was thinking about this question too, I think, um, it's important to remember that most perfectionists, have a very strong inner critic yeah and so they are going to be way more critical of themselves than (laughs) you ever could be as a parent so i would i would say to be careful about giving too much constructive criticism and you know too many ways that they can improve because i think they're just going to need way more encouragement and cheering on than you could have done better type messaging so i think yeah teaching about things being good enough um, not in a condescending way not in a way where you're not um, you know, being empathetic to how they're feeling and that inner critic, but just, um, talking about things being good enough, kind of setting the example and leading the way that, yeah, that way. Perfect. You know, I think that the other one I wrote down was just, you know, model and reinforce to them that Mm -hmm. done is better than perfect. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, there's, there's ways you can model for them, um, you're also not your kid's coach, you know, you're probably paying somehow somewhere for your kid to be a part of a team or a coach or into music. And you got to let that person be the coach, not uh, you. And you, and your job is just to remind them 
that you put too much pressure on yourself, you're going to miss the joy of the sport and just go out there and enjoy it. And I'm proud of you and nothing that you're going to do or not do is going to affect my love for you, which Mm -hmm. seems goofy. um, But that's what an inner critic does when they look at what they're doing in sports or other activities like that. Mm -hmm. And a good reminder of that, I think, is uh, super helpful. Yeah. And I think, too, emphasizing the freedom and the joy that can come you know, by yeah. letting go of some of yeah. um, the perfectionistic tendencies too. And I think leading by example is great. I think it'd be interesting to know, I don't know the statistics, but it would be interesting to know if there's usually a tie uh, to one parent struggling hmm. yeah. with that or not. Yeah. Um, but I know in our family, you know, it's been good to have you as an example, leading by example. And as you have made headway, um, it's helped, you know, our family, um, make headway in yeah. different areas with that. And I think it's just been good for you to be honest and vulnerable about the progress that yeah. you've made. And I know with one of our kids, you've kind of shared some of the things that you've learned, the progress yeah. you've made, um, things that have been helpful, some of the tools, some of the promises in scripture, um, and just what has helped you. And it has really uh, translated yeah. well in their life too. Yeah, I think I think that when I was young, I didn't have words for this. And like I shared last time, I was probably in my late teens when I started to put words to what I was feeling and thinking. And I think you as a parent, you as a coach, I think that's a great, great place to start. I think you just continue to remind them some of the ways out of this and some of the ways through it that, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not going to be more because you do more Mm -hmm. and just continue to let that sink in and continue to let them uh, help that, you know, to let that, that help them. And to know that, you know, this is, this is where faith comes in. This is where understanding, um, that we are finite, that we do have limits and that those aren't sin. Um, and, and these, these things are great reminders for them, um, as they continue to push down these these paths. And then just the joy then of seeing them be able to name it, be able to work out of it, and still achieve at high levels beyond this. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool when that happens. Mm-hmm. I think, too, when you have uh, a number of children, um, it's it's interesting to kind of see how they interact with each other with different wiring. Yeah. And I think it's important to remind the child who might be struggling with perfectionism that their way of doing things is a way. It's not the way (laughs) or the right way or the perfect way. I think it's important uh, to talk through, you know, just how to treat other people who have a different way of doing things, different preferences and, you know, how you respond and work with somebody um, that that just has a different way of doing things. I think that will translate into the real world um, with friends and work situations and kind of just being, being, you know, just talking a lot about it being a way, not the way. Yeah. Yeah. You ready Good. to move on? Yep. All right. Number three. I love this, uh, this question. Um, how has grief affected or impacted your perfectionism journey? Yeah, this one is one of those I didn't see coming and I love this. Um, I think that, um, so much of the perfectionism cycle is try hard or give up, right? And I think in grief, you are already at the point of giving up. And so mm-hmm. it it helps you get out of 
um, the bad habits that, that perfectionism can get in because you're just too tired to mm. be a perfectionist. Right, right. right? I agree. Um, so it's gotten me to the point of being tired out faster and at the end of my own resources. Um, call it a spiritual awakening. Call it whatever you want. Um, that's a scary place to be and a good good place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, oftentimes, you know, you don't make headway in perfectionism if you keep trying harder and achieve and then go backwards. And I mm-hmm. think I think in grief, you just get so exhausted with the undercurrent of grief um, and asking the Lord to help you just focus on the next step and do the right thing. And P.S. That's enough. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, that's a good kind of step in growth mm-hmm. through perfectionism. Yeah. And I think a lot of times for people to get to the point where they want to start making some headway and fight perfectionism, there needs to be kind of a a rock bottom almost, or they're just, they finally got miserable enough or, or whatever. But I feel like grief kind of raises that. Um, grief just comes in like a wrecking ball and it just, it kind of has a tendency to just destroy so many ideals and just things that you thought yeah. um, you could control or ways that you kind of had been working to make things end up in a certain way or whatever. And I just, I think it really has helped um, you, but me as well, um, just to to realize what really matters. It helps to bring perspective. Um, it kind of does, like you said, make you give up certain ways of doing things because you just can't do them <laughs> like that anymore. Yep. You just don't have the energy you don't, you know, you, you, there's just bigger things that you have to think on and deal with. And I don't know, I just feel like in a lot of areas of life, um, grief helps you prioritize really what's important and what's eternal. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, secondly, it has helped me embrace that I am also broken and hurting and not superhuman. Mm-hmm. In perfectionism, you don't admit that you're not human. There's a real close connection to achievement and embracing the fact that I'm human. I've mm-hmm. got limits. Mm-hmm. And when you start thinking this is the way I should feel mm-hmm. or good humans don't feel this hurt this long, I just need three, four days to grieve my son and I'll be fine because I'm better. That's perfectionism. And I think, I think it really did help me lean into the fact that I'm human. This is the normal mm-hmm. experience. I remember Claire telling that, telling us that uh, what it felt like over and over again when we would go to, uh, you know, counseling together um, is, and she probably only said it twice, but it's, you know, this is, grief is ugly. It's an ugly roller coaster. And guess what? It's normal. Mm-hmm. It's part of this normal human experience is deep sadness and immense loss. And it's mm-hmm. reinforcing that you are human, that you mm-hmm. loved, that you still love, that you are broken. And, um, that's what it looks like to be human, not superhuman. And, yeah. and I think grief has helped me kind of embrace more of that. Yeah. And I am thankful that you began to make so much headway before grief hit us because grief is hard enough. I mean, I can't imagine if you would have been trying to do it quote unquote perfectly. I mean, that would have crushed you and crushed me. And, you know, just grief is just a great example of something that, you know, it can be done in a million different ways and it would be maddening to try to figure out the perfect way. Um, And it would just, it would have damaged so many relationships along the way too, because 
you know, all of us in our home, we all grieve differently. So if, if a perfectionist is coming at it with, this is the perfect right way to grieve, right? this is the way I'm going to grieve well, um, in a perfect way, better than everybody else. I mean, it would, it's, that would be crushing. And so, yeah, I think it's important to wrestle with stuff like this now before grief hits you, um, or hard things hit you. Uh, it may not be grief. It could be just the end of a relationship or a loss of a job or home or health, but hard things will come. And I think to continue, like, you know, the whole point of doing this, this podcast on perfectionism and the follow-up here is to, um, help you fight for joy through it. And there is headway to be made before the really hard things come that have the tendency to really crush you. The uh, third point I put down on this one is that I think grief has, helped me set realistic expectations for you and the, and the rest of our kids and get into this contentment way. Like, at least I have you, at least I've got the other kids. I'm never getting Jackson back. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm not going to live with huge crushing expectations on you guys. I'm just glad I got you. And mm-hmm. I'm just glad, um, that, that, it's enough and I can be content and I can trust in God in the midst of whatever happens next. Um, and, and I don't, I just, I'm thankful mm-hmm. uh, that I'm here with you that, that, and there's a real contentment about that. That, um, is really what achievement feels like too. Mm-hmm. And getting out of being a perfectionist. Yeah. It's contentment. It's gratitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, the next question is, how would you suggest me bringing this up to someone I love? Uh, this person said, i.e. my spouse, <laughs> if I think they are a perfectionist and help them see the toll it is taking on our family. And again, this is real. This is honest. Um, and I think it's common. So um, so what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think... I think um care and love and come from a place of obviously wanting to help i i think where you got to start is just prayer you you just can't be you just can't play the role of the holy spirit i I think your prayer is is um god um meet my spouse in their complete and utter um disappointment right now Mm -hmm. um help them to realize where they're at, um, give them freedom from the crushing weight of trying to live in a superhuman type, Mm -hmm. unrealistic way. Um, and so I do think, I do think that's a great place. I do think that's a hundred percent. Yeah. Prayer (laughs) hundred percent. You and I talked about this in the car the other day and it is, it's a tricky thing um, because I think like so many things in life, it's just, it's, it is hard to have somebody else point out something like this in your life. I mean, you already have to have that kind of built into the way that you're, you're working in your relationship. I think you have to have built the trust. You already have to be in a rhythm of speaking truth about hard things into each other already. I think if you're not doing this, I don't know if pointing out perfectionism is where I would start. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and on the flip side, I mean, I think if you do have a relationship like this that allows you to speak truth into each other and you have vulnerable, real conversations about each other's struggles and issues, you probably already would have addressed something like this. So especially if you see it taking a toll on the family. So I kind of feel like where this question is coming from, maybe, yeah, definitely start with prayer. And then I think also asking questions versus 
pointing things out and accusing and kind of back to your question of are you miserable? I mean, if you're yeah. seeing that your spouse is miserable or your family is miserable, kind of just starting by asking some of the questions around that maybe. And then I think another idea too is just asking for your spouse to go first on speaking into you. You know, I mean, are there things that you see in my life that are robbing me of joy or robbing our family of joy? And it's not a guarantee that the spouse will yeah flip it around and say yeah well what about me now but it's it's a good way to start the conversations of having discussions about these things that hinder your joy and therefore hinder the the family's joy yeah that echoes or that you know resonates um, resonates with me really well i yeah i think that um you know you don't start with labeling that you're a perfectionist and that's your term and you need to get over this and you need to work on this because the perfectionist will say, no, I'm not. And then they'll say, okay, but I'm going to fix it by tonight. (laughs) And that's telltale sign too. Right. Um, And I think that being able to uncover with those questions, those counseling type questions that come from a heart of, I want to see my spouse grow. I want to see my spouse be freed from this. I see your, miserable you know start asking questions around those areas and i love the way you said it what is it right now that um you know that you see in in me that i see in you that where's you know areas that are kind of stealing your joy and Mm -hmm. and and what is that and how can we make headway through that together Mm -hmm. i Mm -hmm. Secondly, with that, I, I wouldn't hesitate at all. At some point in time, you do have to name it. And you gotta you got to get to the point where that is what it is. And uh, that was when I made the most headway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just got to get help. And I think, you know, to the extent that it's helpful for them to hear this topic and mm-hmm. for them to wrestle with, maybe I am a perfectionist and maybe there's some things that are robbing me of this. You know, being able to hear dialogue on it, going back to hear the uh, podcast that you mentioned we did, um, you know, reading books on it, talking to counselors. I mean, that mm-hmm. that's that's huge. Um, mm-hmm. But I, at some point in time, you got to name it and you got to be like, yep, that's me. I don't like it. I don't like the word. Maybe it's not perfectionism. Maybe it is. But I know I feel miserable mm-hmm. and I got to. And I got to get some some help. Yeah. And if it really is crushing your family and really taking a toll on your family, um, if you can work it out to get to couples counseling, I mean, it is so helpful to have a neutral third party kind of come in and point some of these things out. And, you know, it wasn't a, a counselor that pointed it out to you um, when we were together, but it was, um, I don't know, what a consultant that we were meeting mm-hmm. with. Um, and so we were able to kind of start learning and about it together. And that was really powerful. Um, and so, yeah, if there's any way to do some sort of a couple's counseling, um, a few sessions together, that might be a really positive way to address it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one, this was interesting and I, I think this was really thoughtful. Um, what progress do you think that you still have to make in this area? And they said, in other words, when you look down the road, 10 years, uh, what further changes do you hope will happen because of your continual work on this? Yeah, I think this was this was really good good too, and I spent a lot of time thinking through through this one because I think um, the default perfectionist, as I said, would say, nah, "I've been working on this. I've named it. Yeah. I'm uh, basically ninety five percent of the way done. I'm on other things." Yeah, I've perfected my perfectionism. <laughs> that's exactly the irony <laughs> right. of this, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what Ken Wright, bless his heart, told me back when yeah I was in my thirties. 
Uh, no, I was in my 20s when I met Ken. And uh, yeah, he was the one that was the management consultant at the bank that mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned that we got a chance to meet with um, to really help us, help help me through this. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, you know, I did, I did write down four different things on this. Number one, I think to be able to embrace the full range of human emotions um, and rejecting that this is how good people or good Christians are supposed to feel mm -hmm. and supposed to think and they don't feel through broken situations. So I think there's this aspect of like there's one emotion that I've been very comfortable with my whole life and that is happiness and joy and worship and praising, right? Mm -hmm, I mean, mm -hmm. this is yeah. just, you know, and very comfortable with that. And good Christians should rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Like, And yet the Psalms teach us over and over again that there's not just a, I'm sad and then I'm happy. There's not two emotions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a whole range of emotions. Mm -hmm. And you've got fear to deal with and you've got anger to deal with and you've got disappointment to deal with. And being able to kind of name those and learn those and not just be like, nope, uh, all Christians just feel good and they just have to think right to feel right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's, I think that's kind of where I've been, been stuck. Uh, mm -hmm. and I, and I think as I've seen myself make headway, it's when I've been able to bring things like, um, Lord, I'm, this is, this is fear. This is, this is, I don't like where this is going to go or where this could go. I, um, bring this to you. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Like mm -hmm. bringing it back to the promises of God and being like, that's not anger. Um, that's, that's fear. And what am I going to do with that? Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I do feel anger, um, you know, what do you do with that? And what's the root of that and where that's coming from? And Christ was angry. And so how in this am I supposed to be, Am I supposed to be angry in the good way? Am mm -hmm. I supposed to understand that emotion and repent where I've been angry in the bad way? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and so I think, again, that's part of being human. That's part of being emotional. That's part of how we're built. And I think being able to lean into and embrace more than just one emotion, which is, yes, I do rejoice in the Lord. Yeah, that's huge. <laughs> that's huge. What's the second thing right now? Um, I think the second thing is understand and know that I still have a, a blind spot here hmm. um, and that I'm not sure where I need to make headway. Hmm. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm not at a hundred percent out of perfectionism and uh, I'm not trying to fix everything today in perfectionism and other spots so that I will be okay today. Mm -hmm. Right. And just realizing that there are some more things I need to work on and I may not even fully know those or be able to understand those and lean on you, lean on others. Um, be, be aware that there's stuff hanging out of the blind spot here. Yeah. And I mean, the same is true for me. I think it's true for all of us. I mean, we don't know what hard things we're going to have to deal with in the coming years. Um, there's more progress to be made always. I mean, the sanctification process is it's ongoing until we're in heaven with the Lord. So yeah, I think that's a really, uh, just a, a great way to look at it. Like, I don't know. There's, I don't know. I know there will be things. I don't know what they will be, but I'm committed to continue to, um, to fight against this. 
Yeah, the next thing I I wrote down too is um, um, the difference and be aware of morning guilt and evening guilt. Hmm. This is an interesting one that, um, you know, Pastor John Piper years ago um, in listening through different sermon series of of his just talked about, you know, for him, he doesn't, he's not wired in a way where he goes to bed feeling very guilty um, for whatever. Um, it's when he wakes up and I really, you know, resonate with that. Like, um, a black cloud of, you know, you got to do more to be more and mm. fight the lies when you wake up, not when you're going to bed. Mm. Other people are wired differently and the lies kind of creep in mm-hmm. at, at, at night. And I think, you know, for me being able to wake up, um, and, you know, understand that I, I'm kind of wired for the morning guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a big day ahead of me. I'm not, feeling as prepared as I was yesterday. I'm not as rested as I was yesterday. I've got this on my plate that I didn't have yesterday and just feeling kind of the weight and, you know, really guilt is a too simple of a word for that. Um, it's included with that, but that's kind of the default, this inner critic. Um, you just, you just kind of wake up with that. And so what are you going to, to do with those lies and to work through those things, um, you know, and I and I think that's where, as we've talked about in the past, that's where being able to run to God's words and and looking for promises and mm-hmm. you know being able to rehearse those to you. Psalm thirty two one and two: Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Mm-hmm. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Um, Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Uh, like, so as, you, as you've as you got these things that are facing you, the, these are very helpful words to just come back to and come back to and come back mm-hmm. to about what is true and what Christ has done for you and the way he has forgiven those who follow him and you don't have this black cloud over you even though you feel it mm-hmm. and you wake up with it yeah um be still and know that i am god i will be exalted among the nations isaiah 26 you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you mm. trust the lord forever for the lord god is an everlasting rock psalm 57 be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. That's where I need to take refuge, mm. right? In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I mm-hmm. love this verse. Mm-hmm. I will cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. Um, and so you, you can go on and on. Um, that that to me is the most helpful way to just mm-hmm. continue to fight for joy out of perfectionism um, and realize that I, I have been made enough, even though I'm human with limits mm-hmm. um, and I have been covered with mercy and uh, grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though my outer self is wasting away and I can't do what I used to be able to do, like there's restoration coming and I can trust God in the midst of even this. Mm-hmm. So th- those are, those are some pretty big things that I find myself having to keep running to. Yeah. And you and I have talked about 
that morning guilt and evening guilt before because I battle the other way. Yeah. And those are the promises that yeah. I have to recite as I'm trying to fall asleep or when I wake up in the middle of the night. My kind of, I have a quieter inner inner critic than you do, but I still have one and that would creep in in the evenings more. And for you to have that, because um, when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, okay, a new day, new mercies. Oh, good. I'm, And I know for you, that can be a heavier. So I love that. Just having yeah. God's promises tucked in our hearts and um, we know them by heart and um, working to continue to memorize more and have his promises ready to pull up and fight these, fight these lies and, and the yeah. fear. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay, well, one more. Um, The last person said, a lot of what you shared resonated with me, and I'm thinking I might be a perfectionist. Um, I'm just kind of paralyzed knowing where I should start facing it. And I love that because... (laughs) I love that too. That's just so true to being a perfectionist, right? Like, okay, this is what I think. I think I might have some of these tendencies, but now I'm paralyzed. Now I'm stuck because how do I perfectly address it? Where do I start? You know, so... um, yeah, I think basically just what is what would you say is a good first step um, if somebody is wanting to start making headway? Yeah, I I think that's that's grace. Uh, great, you already kind of stole my first punchline, oh, which sorry. is first of all, I would say congratulations. Being paralyzed is exactly a feature <laughs> of perfectionism, and so by recognizing that you're paralyzed you are wanting to make some real headway and you're acknowledging the fact that of where you're at and how you're stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and and that there's freedom ahead Mm -hmm. (laughs) from this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's great. I, I think, um, I think that being able to consistently set what's going to feel like extremely low expectations and then being able to jump over those consistently and Mm -hmm. successfully has been a huge piece. The other way to say that is it's the opposite of unrealistic expectations. Start setting some expectations and some goals that you can literally get over. Um, You know, for me on training as it's been my goal if it calls for an hour workout and i've only got 45 minutes of a lunch break at work um you know my goal is to finish two parts of the hardest part of the set and you gotta just do that and then when you hit three parts um that's that's the mindset that you need to continue to go with you're not going to be able to get everything done the way you're going to want to get it done and so you're going to have to start with things that help you um, jump over very achievable goals. And then a series and a string of those is what achievement feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that would be um, one very practical place to just start with. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, secondly, you, you got to, you, you, you do, there are some real answers here and there are some real truths with this. And so I would go back um, and, and I would just understand too what it means to be human and that God loves that and he embraces that. And he embraces so much, um, God became flesh and dwelt among us in, in uh, Jesus Christ. And so this whole idea of this Genesis plan where God created Adam and Eve he created them dependent upon him and that that dependency is not a sin and you're going to feel that you're not superhuman 
and being able to lean into what it means to be a human is not sin. Hmm. Uh, and that, that gave me great, <laughs> gave me great freedom when I was first starting to kind of name this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thirdly, as a, as a, as a follower of, of, of Christ, you know, you, you, you have to believe and you have to know, uh, that God is louder than your inner critic hmm. and that you are unconditionally loved as a child of God. Um, and acceptance with him is ultimately what you're craving. And that's not dependent upon your success. Hmm. And you got to find that in scripture and you got to see it and you got to memorize those things and keep bringing them back to you because you, these, this is what it means to preach the gospel to yourself. This Mm -hmm. is what it means. This is what it means to speak to yourself truths that are helpful Mm -hmm. instead of just listening to the lies that aren't. Yeah. And so I, yeah. I think that's a real other practical way to take I the first couple steps. Yeah, me too. And I can see why listening to the two-part series I did with you, it would be overwhelming because you, you did share so many great um, key ways that have, you know, tools and things that have helped you. So I would say even just go back and listen to it again and maybe even again. And there'll be one or two, I think, that will jump out to you. I don't think you have to tackle all of them. Um, I think you'll you'll see, you know, something will resonate with you in a way that's a good place to start. And you're more than welcome to reach out to Eric, too. I have the Fighting for Joy podcast at gmail.com. Um, you could always send me a message and I could uh, for forward sure. that to Eric, yeah. too. If there's just some more stuff that you want to talk about or you just um, need some more ideas, um, it's, it's helpful when... Um, you know, to go to somebody who is a little bit further down the path on the same journey. Yeah. I, I would keep asking the uh, question, why, um, why are you most exhausted? Mm-hmm. Um, what is causing that? And then ask the next why question. Um, I'm exhausted because I overworked. Okay. Then why did you overwork? Why did you work 80 hours last week when everyone else worked 40? Mm-hmm. Um, and keep drilling into that why question, and and as you get to the point of like, well, I'm I'm overworking because I have to work better than others to be somebody. Then you're starting to get into the destruction of what perfectionism does and is, and and you just gotta you just gotta go and you gotta say, God, you gotta give me rest from the work under the work, and the only way I can do that. Uh, is not by working harder Mm. (laughs) and it's it's by you convincing me by what you've done in jesus christ that i am enough that i am Mm -hmm. worthwhile as your son or daughter um and that you are absolutely continuing to redeem me into what you build me to be and Mm -hmm. and those are those asking the why question and drilling into what's causing the exhaustion from the work under the work. What are you trying to prove? What are you, mm-hmm. what are you trying to get meaning for your life out of that's apart from you being created by God for his glory and your joy? Mm. Um, that, that journey is painful. <laughs> that is hard to ask those questions. That's hard to, um, it's hard to answer them. Um, but that's, that's, I think, um, part of where you're making the discovery of these first couple steps too, and where you can see some real help. Yeah. I love that. Well, thanks for answering all of these questions and the time and thought that you put into, to each one of them. Is there any other last thoughts or comments? 
I'm just really glad that you asked for questions on this because it did help me to continue to to feel and know that I've got more headway to make and that that's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm not a failure mm -hmm. because I haven't mastered perfectionism mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that I'm continuing to trust God for the next step. And yeah. um, I and it's and it has forced me to kind of think through some of these things and put some words to it. Um, and so, yeah, thanks for getting these yeah. questions and for, uh, spending time in the car, wrestling through them and talking through them together and, and, um, continuing to help me on this path. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's been, it's been neat to do it together and, you know, perfectionism has just been a, it's been a huge part of your life and it has stolen a lot of your joy over the years, but, um, not only have you made good progress, um, you will continue to, I know, and I'm just so proud of you and just thankful to the Lord for the freedom and the peace that you are much more able to experience and enjoy now. And so I just love that you're so willing to share and open up as a way to help others experience that same freedom and joy. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. If you were helped or encouraged by this episode, please share it with others. I would also love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening on my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also send me an email at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you. Keep fighting for joy.